find the one woman I can call mine Yes, I'm always at the right place at the wrong time Trying to find the one woman I can call mine Yes, when I start a conversation They tells me they don't leave good things laying around It says someone for everybody Oh, one more in the world's the one for me Yes, they say there's someone for everybody I wonder where in the world is the one for me Another day is gone My heart remains in misery heard there was the smooth sounds of Otis Rush. I'm your host, L.A., a.k.a. The Love Ambassador, and welcome back to Once Again, Random Attractive Friends. You want to check me out on my IG, it's at the real LA 21 or at Random Attractive Friends. Yes, this is part of the Blues series, and I'm bringing to you someone who is very, very close to my heart. I found... In particular with Otis Rush, it's he has this real incredible emotion in his voice. And it's like a, a strained soul. It's it's like this absolute raw powerhouse wanting to unleash, but yet the the realms of society are somewhat constraining him to do so. And when he, he up he unleashes with his guitar. It's not really like a, a Jimi Hendrix-like solo or like a buddy guy just, you know, like just really showing the world what, you know, what's going on. It's got this beautiful artistic wail to it. And that opening song of, of, of Right Place and Wrong Time has served me uh, throughout my life because I've always had trouble with the society that I live in. Like, I just, I, I'm not that run-of-the-mill normal guy and I find it always struggle to you know, try and be mainstream and just try and be a regular pleb, so to speak. And that song, I'm the right place at the wrong time, is symbolic to me of people like myself that go through life and generally like happy of who they are and they love their life and, yeah, you have your ups and downs. But, you know, like, you're not like this people that just live this monotonous life and wake up in the morning and just embrace simplicity. And so that's why I write places at the wrong time and, you know, 
trying to go through life as a young man as well, has its ups and downs, and that sort of really served me well. So, let's talk a little bit about Otis Brush uh, Jr. He's an American blues guitarist and singer-songwriter, and his distinctive guitar style featured a slow, burning sound and long bend notes. With a guitar quality similar to the styles of other 1950s artists Magic Sam and Buddy Guy, his sound became known as West Side Chicago Blues and was an influence on many musicians including Michael Bloomfield, Peter Green and Eric Clapton. Rush was left-handed and played as such, however his guitars were strung with a low E string at the bottom, upside down from typical guitarists. He often played with the little finger of his pick hand curled under the low E for positioning. <coughs> it is widely believed, don't worry, I don't think I've got COVID, hopefully not. It is widely believed that this contributed to his distinctive sound and he had a wide-ranging, powerful tenor voice. The son of farmers, Julia Campbell Board and Otis C. Rush, Rush was born in near Philadelphia, Mississippi in 1934. Russell was one of seven children and worked on a farm throughout his childhood. At the age of eight, Rush taught himself how to play guitar and he also sang in the local church. Rush moved to Chicago, Illinois in 1948-49 and after being spied by Money Waters, made a name for himself playing in blues clubs in the south side, southwest side of the city. During this period, he formed his own group, initially under the name Little Lotus from 1956 to 1958, and he recorded for the independent label Copper Records and released eight singles, some featuring Ike Turner or Jody Williams on guitar. His first single, I Can't Quit You Baby, in 1956, reached number six on the Billboard R&B chart. During his tenure with Cobra, he recorded some of his best-known songs, such as Double Trouble and All Your Love, I'll Be Missing. Here's an example of his Cobra music. <laughs> incredible power in his voice. Cobra Records went bankrupt in 1959 and Rush signed a recording contract with Chess Records in 1960. Uh, he recorded eight tracks for the label, four of which was released on two singles the next year. Six tracks included the two singles were later included on the album Door to Door 1969, a compilation also featuring Chess Records by recordings by Albert King. Really good album by the way, I've got it in vinyl. Rush went in the studio for Duke Records in 1962, but only one single, Homework, backed with I Have to Laugh, was issued by the label. It was released in Great Britain in 1963. In 1965, he recorded Vanguard, and these recordings are included in the label's compilation album, Chicago The Blues Today, Volume 2. Really creative, isn't it? Uh, Rush began playing in other cities in the United States and in Europe during the 1960s, notably with the American Folk Blues Festival. In 1969, his album Morning in the Morning was released by Cotillion Records, recorded at Fame Studios in Alabama. The album was produced by Michael Bloomfield and Nick Gravenites, then of the band Electric Flag. The sound incorporated soul music and rock, a new direction for Rush. 
1971, Rush recorded the album Right Place, Wrong Time in San Francisco for Capitol Records, but Capitol Records didn't release it. The album was finally issued in 1976 when Rush purchased the master from Capitol and was released in Japan. Bullfrog Records released it in the United States soon after. The album has since gained a reputation as one of his best works. Uh, he also released some albums for Delmark and for Sonnet Records in Europe during the 1960s, but by the end of the decade, he had stopped performing and recording. Part of this was actually um, due to the difficulties of just getting like really good uh, people to sort of perform with him in his bands and back him up. Uh, he went through periods of having sensational people backing up, and other periods were sort of quite tricky. Uh, and also, the um, we kind of forget that the there was only a limited amount of blues clubs in, in Chicago's west side and an exorbitant amount of talent, as our blues series has, has shown. Uh, and he also just was like, kind of like a bit of a quiet dude, you know, and he just really didn't particularly want the hassles of the industry and everything like that. But I want to share with you now um, Right Place, Wrong Time, and... There's one thing that you're going to get from this podcast. It would really be just go out and buy that vinyl. You know, I don't care if you're into, like, punk rock or, like, drum and bass. Like, this is just a great album to have as a collection um, and just something to pull on, put on when you really want to just enjoy life and be happy and, yeah, just vibe, man. Just, just vibe. said there was Otis Rush tore up uh, off the Right Place, Wrong Time album. And yeah, like, that's the start. And the story is just awesome. It's like, I've finished work, I've got paid, like, <laughs> you know, I'm heading home, everything's going good, and then as I'm passing the local pub, I'll see my boss man, and we have one drink, two drink, three drink, four and, uh, well, you know, Nick Seedy's hitting the floor. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, so he kind of, during the 1970s, towards the 80s, he, he disappears. Like I said, there, there was a, a mixture of things from knocking the right band, the competition, the recording contracts, um, being typecast as a blues musician, you know, um, where the only time that he really got the fame that he deserved was in Japan, and he recalls when he went to Japan how... Thousands of people were lining the streets and flowing, throwing flowers over the car for him and, you know, really giving him, as Noriega would say after drink champs, really giving him his roses while he could still smell them. 
Um, eventually, he uh, makes a comeback in 1985, and he starts touring and releases a live album, uh, Tops, recorded at the San Francisco Blues Festival. Uh, he, again in 1994, releases Ain't Enough Coming, uh, and it's his first studio album in 16 years. Any Place I'm Going followed in 1998, and he earned his first Grammy Award for Best Traditional Blues Album in 1999. In my view, uh, well overdue, because, yeah, I mean, look, right place, wrong, to- wrong time, should really got one. Uh, and some of his al- other albums as well. Rush didn't record a new studio album after 1998, but he continued to tour and perform until 2003 when he suffered a stroke. Uh, now, uh, before we go into the final section, we're just going to play a little bit more. just like, oh, it's going to be Cardi B Wop and, you know, it's going to be whatever people are listening to like on rock music. I mean, I don't know, right? But the thing that hits me about blues music is two things. First of all, it's the male who is completely and utterly vulnerable emotionally. Completely and utterly vulnerable. And an expression of um, his inner pain, which it doesn't matter what race, religion, or creed you are. Um, and I, I would almost go across multi-genders on this one. Um, have this, this issue of masculinity, of the toughness, you know, um, and what is deemed to be masculine. And blues music is is intergenerational because if you listen to Otis Rush, I mean, you can apply that to, to probably the 52 genders out there, you know. You're just cold to see if I'm crying, you know. But it's, it's I've cried my tears and it's your time now. And more importantly than that, like like I said, the second thing is, um, apart from the vulnerability, is the intergenerational uh, aspect of it. I mean, 
things just don't change. The, the core relationship of people doesn't change. And that's why it's like, I, again, you know, the right place and the wrong time because I don't understand why the majority of people just don't see it and just don't get it. Like, hey, you know, I'm going through this in my life, but you know what? If I look back to this cat, Otis Rush, he's already been through the same thing. So I'm going to be all right. I'm not the only one going through. So in 2002, like I said, leading up to 2003, suffers from a stroke. 2002 does a uh, features with the old legendary Bo Diddley, uh, I'm a Man. And he also does an album uh, in 2006, live uh, concert in San Francisco, which was originally recorded in 1999. In 2016, Rush made a rare appearance at the Chicago Blues Festival in Grant Park. Chicago Mayor Ram Emanuel honoured Rush's appearance by declaring June 12th to be Otis Rush Day in Chicago. Due to his ongoing health problems, Rush was unable to play but was present with his family. Uh, he received multiple awards, uh, Blues Hall of Fame, uh, Rolling Stones ranked him 53 of the top 100 greatest guitarists ever, Jazz Foundation of America awarded him with a Lifetime Achievement Award. For a lifetime of genius and leaving an indelible mark in the world of blues and the universal language of music. He died on September 29th, 2018 from complications of a stroke. His death was announced on his website by his wife, Masaki. Greg Parker, CEO and founder of the Chicago Blues Museum, said of Rush, he was one of the last great blues heroes. He was an electric god. Well, you know, if you ask Lottie Hopkins... There's only one God and he ain't ever been seen. Writing in the New York Times, Bill Frisk Warren said, A richly emotive singer and a guitarist of great skill and imagination, Mr. Rush was in the vanguard of a small circle of late 1950s innovators, including Buddy Guy and Magic Sam, whose music steeped in R&B held a new era for Chicago blues. Uh, and just a closing note for me, uh, this is probably one of the longest uh, podcasts I've done in a while, actually. And um, it just goes to show just how much I love it. Otis Rush was a blues musician that came along at a time when people would talk about Muddy Waters and they'd talk about Howlin' Wolf and they'd talk about Freddie King and Albert King and Stevie Ray Vaughan and and Buddy Guy and and whatnot and a saturation of, of genius essentially. But people like Otis Rush are the foundation. They're the cornerstone. They're they're like what the mojo of the music is coming through. It's the feeling that just can't be explained. It's the emotional connection. It's the way that he plucks his guitar. It's the, the wailing in his voice. It's the soulful expression. It's life. It's life. That's what Otis Rush represents. This full emotions from the lowest to the high. And I'm going to leave it with just saying, if you were here, Otis Rush, firstly, sorry, I don't have a top on its hot inside. <laughs> but secondly, I would say to you, sir, thank you very much for what you contributed to a musical art form. Thank you for your contribution to music. 
but most importantly, I appreciate the, everything you've done for me in my own life. Um, and, you know, along with the Muddy Waters, you know, posters up in my room and everything like that, and it's Big Bad, Hole, Wolf, Grail, and then the others. Um, yeah, just a couple of those albums that you produced, I listened to over and over again, and I'm still just fascinated by it. All right, well, we'll leave it at that. Hope you enjoy it. And I've just banged out three podcasts in a row for free for you. So hit subscribe. For God's sake, hit subscribe, please. I hate promoting podcasts. Hello.